laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Who huh? should have this person locked up and looked at? Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Mers and David Horning on this week's episode. So I'm not going to, you know, sit here and blame it on getting sick. I'm, it's all on me. I mean, if I really look back at it, at the time, like, being in that moment, I wouldn't have wanted to hear that at all. But, every, you know, every, like, where we are is a result of the choices we've made in response to what's going on around us. Uh, and it might be bullshit, but that's where, for me, that's where comedy comes in. Is because if I can, if I can formulate the bullshit into a joke to almost like take a step back and be like, oh, it's not as much bullshit as I thought it was. I could have done something different. Like that's a lot of the jokes that I write. That's what I learn after I I find something funny. Is that like I could have done something different. Welcome to You Can't Laugh at That, the podcast that <laughs> takes topics that you typically shouldn't laugh at and laughs at them. Today, it is just myself and the one, the only... Super producer Jeremy Demery. Yeah, there it is, there it is. <laughs> I added the super part in because I'm feeling froggy. Yeah, if you're feeling froggy, uh, fuck another frog and make more frogs. Um, is that how it goes? Today we're going to talk about uncertainty, considering every single thing in the world right now is 100% unknown. (laughs) We've never been here before, and we will never be here again, at least how things are. I I see it as joke writing, honestly. Um, You know, you can take, like, just an event or something that's happened and the more and more you sit with it and the more and more you dig, the more and more you discover. And then you can turn it into, like, a a set-up punchline or you can turn it into a story or you can turn it into, you know, whatever, um, a character bit or an act-out or whatever. And there's an infinite number of ways to do it because you're the one that has that experience. Like, only you have your experience. So you can turn you know, something like this into a business, just like you can turn something like this into a joke. And uh, I mean, with that in mind, like, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm three and a half weeks behind what I wanted to do, which is take my speaking business and find ways to monetize it uh, digitally. I've done, I I did one virtual presentation so far and, uh, you know, I think it went well, but it it took some getting used to because I paused after every punchline and it's, that's almost more of a, that's like a tell. So next time, you know, I do it, I won't so much pause after the punchline, like I'll deliver it differently. Um, uh, I'm, I'm working with somebody right now to create a landing page for my website. Um, I mean, I have the 30 videos that I've made about like just small ways to, to find happiness in something like what's going on right now. And so like if I can find ways to, to curate that into content that people want to pay money for, like, I'm going to do that online. Like, I used to think that I'm not getting paid as a speaker unless I'm going somewhere and speaking, but there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, you know? for sure. I mean, just just like one, there's one story, like one thing that happened to me, I can approach it with the one thing that I thought was funny, or I can use that as a jumping off point 
to find more that's funny about it and turn it into a, a, de- a bit that has a ton of depth. So mm. it's like, yeah, I mean, there's that. that's the thing with what's going on right now is we're not exploring the opportunity. Like a lot of people aren't exploring the opportunity. They're, they're looking at like what's wrong here, what's not normal. What's not normal? What if what's not normal is normal? Right. What are you going to do now? Versus like, no, I'm going to go yell at cars with signs for a day. Like, <laughs> fuck right off, man. Like, that's right. the worst thing you can do. Ada- yeah, I mean, adapt okay. or die, man. Adapt or die. It's very Darwinian. <laughs> and it's funny that the people who don't believe in evolution are the ones who are doing this because it's like... Our- <laughs> exactly. This makes so much sense to me. Things like Amazon and, and Thriving. Etsy, their profits are way up. Way up. Etsy's 75% higher than they were the last, you know, last year's quarter. So from, you know, it's insane the amount of money just because they started pivoting their business for things like face masks, you know, like these boutique little like face masks that a lot of people have been wearing lately. Mm -hmm. Uh, They started pivoting their business to like more COVID type deals where you can send all these bandanas I got. Hell yeah. It took a month and a half to get them because they were on back order for so long. Like this fucking Amazon company is crushing it right now. Right. Store, you know? So yeah, if you do some sort of like um, affiliate marketing on, even if I was doing reviews on bandanas, that place will send me bandanas for a penny as a bandana. Right. And I even, and then most of the time, a lot of those businesses, all they want you to do is make a comment on yeah. their, you know, on their Amazon page. And like, got the product, I love it, you know, and then you're based on how many people found that thing helpful. Mm-hmm. Engagement is dollar signs. Yep. Just the interesting thing about all this whole thing to me is uh, that, you know, we're talking about, you know, we shut down the economy. We shut down the economy. We're pivoting into creating a new economy based off of the internet that we haven't even scratched the surface on yet. So if you're, if you're over here saying, we shut down the economy, we shut down the economy, go ahead, get stuck in the past. Like, you know, be, be part of, you know, the steam engine and the, and the industrial revolution way of thinking, or you can like pivot to this internet information age that uh, there's literally unlimited potential because we've barely started unlocking what we can what we can achieve you know through the internet i mean we're we're just getting into like 5g which people are like seeing as the enemy and it's like no it, it has so much potential to unlock like i mean sure we have a ton to learn but that's the beauty of it is now with the internet like you can learn things that you had to physically go somewhere find like take an entire data research one thing no i can just type in certain words and now i know everything about it in a matter of minutes it's crazy yeah that's why i've been doing so much research on this affiliate marketing yeah i don't know a ton about it and but i think it's a it's a great way just to like look into there's like you can literally create ways to make money from your business sitting right in that chair yep so i'm happy that i'm like feeling better and now I have the energy to actually look things up. Like before, just thinking wasn't an option. <laughs> it was not an option for for weeks on end. Like I felt my brain just turning into fucking macaroni and cheese and not even the good kind, like store brand. 
Yeah, not even Velveeta. What's been holding me back is depression. Yeah. Anger and depression is really what's been holding me back. And I think after, like, I think yesterday or the day before is really when I got out of the fog of it, where I'm just like, I'm tired of being depressed and angry. Like, I I always revert to this depression and anger. Yeah. How do Okay. Now... Now that you've kicked and you did all the shit that you need to do, and I'm going to go through that again. It's just a, who I am as an individual. Mm-hmm. But then now, how do we make this? How do we make this better? What are the, what are the solutions? Right. How do I? I know what I want. I don't necessarily know exactly how to get there, but I know what I want, and I know what I want to achieve, and I know what I want to do. Now figure out how to get there. Mm-hmm. No one's going to tell you how to do it. No one's going to show you how to do it. You got to like. It's kind of like stand-up where you just kind of have to start it and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to fuck up down the road. And, you know, luckily, you know, 10, 50, you know, 10 or 15 videos later, you could stop dropping off those early videos that you had up that sucked or you thought they were embarrassing or whatever mm-hmm. because you have the content to back it up now. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people that I've been, I've been reading up on it too, it's like, a lot of people are saying, like, you're not going to even see any kind of real traffic until you start getting into your 35th or 40th video. And that's a lot of videos to make on products and whatever. But that's just the only way you're going to engage that algorithm in order to start showing, okay, this guy's, you know, he's, he's pursuing it. It's a good way to gain, um, you know, access to a affiliate pages and shit like that because they check everything mm-hmm. you know they're gonna check who you have following you how many videos you've done uh things of that nature though there's a way to do it where you don't need a lot of those things but it's going to be a longer process to get you where you want to go uh it's i've been just doing so much research on it in the last like three three days or so and, like now that things have changed how do i pivot my business and then how do I continue to try and make money? And this is the only, and honestly, this is the most ethical way to do it because now I'm taking these commercial ideas or these things and putting it towards real art in my community. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, my always, my motto has been like a very much so like a Robin Hood style motto of I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying my best to pursue these commercial gigs. Well, these local commercial gigs are gone. That ship has sailed. So what do I do now? Okay, so I got to figure out how to engage people that aren't in my city in buying a certain product that I may or may not care about so I can start taking some of that income and putting it towards things like upgrading microphones and making the studio better for the projects that I really want to be doing while also using that product that I bought to make money, I'm doubling my money on it. Or even if it's not doubling my money on it, whatever money you made off that, save it's two dollars and fifty cents you made off of a hundred dollar microphone. Well, you got two dollars and fifty cents off that microphone. Right. You just save two dollars and fifty cents. Every little bit adds up. Right. And that, and then that that video in itself has the opportunity to make money for you while you're not even doing shit with it. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, whereas, you know, you have to be in the studio, uh, you know, to, to make dollars in the old model. With the new model, 
you you can be sleeping. Like you can be in the studio while while money's rolling in. Like there's ways to make that happen. God, I mean, I, I'm gonna keep going back to using com- like comedy as an analogy. I mean, just you know, you just you start, and if it's not working, you learn from what the audience is given back to you, which uh, a lot of times is nothing. And uh, you know, you you pivot. You have to. I'm, I'm just right. now starting to get traction and like comments and likes and stuff. I've posted 29 videos to LinkedIn um, and and a couple blog posts, and I'm already getting more traction on my blog posts. You know that I've posted to to Medium and shared on on LinkedIn, awesome. and it's like holy shit, you know. And it, and that is driving people to my videos, which is like okay. So now now that I've been doing. You know, telling, let, let's just put this in form of comedy. Like now that I've told this joke 29 times, I'm starting to get the uh, the feedback that I'm looking for on it. Like I know it's useful. I know the audience is going to like it. So how can I like, how can I get people to want to read my stuff while I'm not actively like making social media posts about it? Like how can I put this, you know, find the communities that are looking for it and the people that are looking for it? Yeah, and it all depends on what, I don't, I'm not necessarily familiar with, um, LinkedIn's algorithms like, but I know some of these other ones, once you start hitting that, you know, 30 to 40 video range, it really starts engaging. The algorithm starts picking up the momentum that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also takes into consideration the amount of times you, like in what time frame you posted last. Mm-hmm. I know that's a big thing, especially in, you know, in things like podcasting or YouTube and, um, other things they take that into consideration plus the time amount of time that people are watching your video so even like anywhere between eight and ten minutes is a good span of time that you want your youtube video at that's what i you know i'm just reading up on like what engages these algorithms because there's only so much real estate on one page they can only show you so many videos up front Mm -hmm. so what how do you get to that point where you're in the top 15 where you know you're one of 15 of that people are going to click on and then let's just say for instance in the way amazon tracks things so if you're one of the amazon like affiliate people just say for instance that guy that person clicks on your link and they don't even buy the product that you're looking for and they buy like you know they went through your link they decided, oh, I don't want to buy that. I'll buy something else. They buy like a $2,000 watch or whatever it is. You get commission on that watch, even though you had nothing to do with it mm-hmm. because they clicked on your link. They went from your link to something else. Mm-hmm. So you can make, you know, I think a, I think you can make like, I think that was like a $15 that that person made off that $2,000 purchase, which isn't a huge amount of money, but you times that times... 40, 50 people, you got a decent income coming your way. Yeah. These are the things they need to teach in high school, man. Agreed. Especially in like rural communities that are dying because manufacturing and farming jobs are leaving. It's like instead of, you know, instead of blame, you know, blaming the man, like they can actually see that there's, because they don't see, this isn't even an option. Like this isn't even, like this is barely even in my hemisphere of thought, <laughs> let alone people who live in in those communities. Like I'm learning a little bit at a time, and when I'm learning it, I hate it. But I would rather learn this in school than like, <laughs> like 
the the quadratic formula when I'm not gonna need it at all in what I do. Like there needs to be a more. I mean, again, going back to to Steve's philosophy, it all goes back to education. Like you can learn this right. stuff if you can learn this stuff when you're 16, 17 years old, but you have no chance of paying all you know all that money to go to college, and uh, you don't necessarily want to get into a trade. Like you can find a way. Like my cousin. Uh, didn't go to college at all. He's got a multi-million dollar eBay store um, that he just, he did all the research on on his own. And he, the only reason he knew it was a thing was because his girlfriend at the time like knew somebody who had an eBay store. And so he was like, oh, that's something I'd be interested in. He found this niche market. He found a way to order um, all of his product from like a Chinese bulk like wholesaler. So he was making a huge profit on on like, on like molds for stereo kit, like for dash kits for like, you know, uh, when everybody was getting CD players installed in their cars and shit. So now he's got like two houses, like a pool, like this fucking amazing setup with no education outside of, I'm going to teach myself how to do this. Here we go. I get it. I mean, it's tough. Like you say, like I I don't like it. Like, and, and even some of the guys that I've been watching on YouTube doing these things, these guys are fucking, they're boobs. Every yeah. single one of them, they're boobs. <laughs> boobs. I don't like, I don't like Hold on, them. I'm listening. I'm going to refill my, my glass. Personality wise, I don't like them, but they're on to something that I'm not. And they're making money off of doing something that I enjoy doing. So I know I'm good at sales. I, I'm not necessarily like I don't hate the product that I sell, but I'm also not 100 percent on board with it either. Right. So like, what's the what's the payoff here? Okay, it, this has the potential to allow me to talk about things that I'm interested in, sell the things that I'm interested in, things that I love to do. So what's in it? In it, little now I already have the like. I have most of, if not all of the things that I need in order to do these things. Now what's stopping me other than myself? Yeah. I mean, that's a hundred percent of what stops anybody. Like, I mean, you can, you can blame it on what's going on out there. Sure. That's just an excuse. I mean, I, you know, I can blame it. I can blame the fact that I haven't done anything basically in three weeks on being sick, but I could have forced myself to do it. Like, so I'm not going to, you know, sit here and blame it on getting sick. I'm it's all on me. I mean, if I really look back at it at the time, like being in that moment, I wouldn't have wanted to hear that at all. But every, you know, every like where we are is a result of the choices we've made in response to what's going on around us. Uh and it might be bullshit, but that's where for me, that's where comedy comes in. Is because if I can if I can formulate the bullshit into a joke, to almost like take a step back and be like, oh, it's not as much bullshit as I thought it was. I could have done something different. Like that's a lot of the jokes that I write. That's what I learn after I I find something funny is that like I could have done something different. Mm. And then I and then I write more jokes off of like other things that I could have done um, that might be silly or might be absurd or, or whatever. So just like the idea of getting sick and peeing and then going to the hospital and the doctor's like, we need your, a urine sample. And I'm like, well, I got to steal somebody's. It's literally a thought that went through my head. So it's like, 
So it's like, it's, it's like, like I, I fuck up more than I'm successful at things. So if I don't find the humor in that, like I have no ability to grow from it. It's a, it's a tool that I use to take responsibility that kind of softens the blow of being like, David, you're a fuck up. Like David, you know, you're a failure, David, like, because I'll, I'll get down on myself, but if I can write a joke about it, then I'll forget, like, then, I, then I'll realize that that's not conducive to any growth. Like, mm. And I mean, I was laying in bed depressed myself, just like thinking about all the work that I've missed. And uh, so, I don't know, maybe some of this lightheadedness and this headache are a result of, you know, just constant pile of negative thoughts about what, what, what's gone on, maybe. Um, so just being able to shift your perspective is... Dude, it's healthy, I mean. Yeah. Without, like, piling too much on yourself, too. Like, you gotta, you gotta do that to an extent and then just be like, oh, wait, this isn't healthy anymore. Uh, I can make fun of myself without, like, ma- like being self-deprecating. It's yeah, almost, almost like a stepping stone. I don't know if I really have the non-deprecation thing. I think it being... I think allowing myself the permission to laugh about it takes the reality, reality, I guess, away from it in a sense where it doesn't sting quite as bad and it allows me to heal from it because of the ability, because it's not all that serious to begin with. Uh, I think that the, having the ability takes away the hubris of it all and it takes away your own ego. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> giving yourself the ability to laugh about it definitely helps. It's a gift yeah, from the gods. It's just so funny how much of life really comes back to comedy or how much of life you can, you can, uh, you can, uh, you know, equate to comedy. I think that's really the funny part about it all. My favorite part about comedy, though, is playing devil's advocate. So I don't know how healthy that is in real life. I don't know if like, I necessarily apply that to my real life, but it's definitely fun to do when you're a comedian. I mean, I think just the ability to take a step back and see it from a different perspective. I mean, even if you're playing devil's advocate, you're looking at it through a different lens. Mm. I mean, it may be made by the same company, <laughs> but you know, you're still looking at it through a different lens. Right. I mean, you know, I, I, there's only a certain number of ways I can look at something. I mean, there's there's certain tools you can use as a comic. You can say, how would a child look at this scenario? How would an alien who's never been to Earth before look at, you know, this scenario? How would, uh, you know, how would the homeless guy on the street look at this scenario? How would your wife look at this scenario? How would you, uh, a parent look at this scenario? But even in all, all those cases, you're still looking at it through your own limited perspective. Even though there's like, you've kind of stepped outside of yourself, you're still in yourself. Um, and that's why, like, I love listening to comics who joke about something that I've been writing about because, or, or, or just like hearing somebody who has a different viewpoint from me, because sometimes that is what unlocks, like what I need to, to take myself and an audience from setup to punchline is, you know, somebody else's perspective on it, especially if I don't agree with it. Like I am down my, my, I was talking to on, on the phone with my mom a couple of weeks ago and she was like, you need to watch Fox news and, and, you know, see this real news. That's whatever. And so I turned on the, the Ingram angle and I was like, okay, she's like, I see that. I see where she's coming from and I'm learning from it. You know, I, I, and now I understand why why certain people have certain points of view because if that's all you watch, then that's all you see. 
And so now, like, I have more of a view of the spectrum. And I'm not going to say whether it's right or wrong. I'm going to say it's different from what I see. And that allows me to kind of, like, take a step back and see somebody on one side versus somebody on the other side. And I'm like, why are there even sides? (laughs) (laughs) This is the, and so that's the silliness to me is that there's even like sides to it. I mean, there's going to be different perspectives. Sure. That's what makes it a bigger picture. But like, I think what makes you in particular strive as a comedian is your ability to be empathetic towards the other side. Or somebody like myself, or uh, maybe even Steve, who, like, sometimes we get so wrapped up into our own bullshit that we forget the empathy part of comedy. And that's super important. It's easy to, it's easy to miss out on. I mean, I do it too. Even some of the, like, there's still a sense of empathy with, with like, a Bill Burr or Chappelle. You know, there's still this sense of, like, being empathetic enough to go... I don't even know if I'm right by saying any of this, you know, like I think that I became, I sometimes can be a little absolutist with my comedy when I'm talking. I mean, I haven't really gone down too many like controversial roads, especially in the last like maybe five, six months or whatever it's been. But you know, that's the, that's where I lack in. I definitely lack in empathy towards the other side of the argument. And I think that's if the more I can embrace that or the more I can start working that into what I do as a comedian, the better I would be down the road or the more or it'll be better accepted for what I'm saying, whether or not they agree with me, they can still hear the amount of empathy so they can't necessarily be angry about it. One one way that I've heard and that I've done a few times and it's very helpful is if you're trying to make a point with a joke. Write a joke making the like making the opposite point, and if you can make that funny, then you've connected with both sides of the story. Uh, I'm getting trying to get better at that. I like like my goal as a comedian. This is how I know like this is how I know that I'll be able to get booked anywhere. Is if I can make the right like make a point with a joke about my perspective of society. By making like liberals uh, more progress, um, a more progressive like state of mind, you know, more open mind, laugh at the same joke as the more closed-minded people. So if I can make a point and bring those two groups together where they laugh at the same thing, like that's my goal as a comic, or to like lose one side of the room with one joke while appeasing the other side of the room. And then the next line, flipping it to where like now we're all we we're all like in this place where, you know, they've taken my side and they've been against me in a matter of moments. So yeah. now, like now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's move on. Like, that's my it goal as a performer. Like permission to laugh at the absurdity of it all. But, and that's yeah. And I agree. I mean, like in, in studying psychology it's like i i uh, of course i have i'm subjective you know i have a subjective point of view on things sure it i'm a human being that's how it goes but like i posted a uh, just a meme that i made the 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 game of thrones meme the whole point is that instead of coming to a solution we've taken sides that's silly to me 
And right. so like my, I, I think if I were to, at this point in my career, if I were to sum my comedic voice up into a sentence is that it's silly that we're taking sides rather than getting shit done. Um, <laughs> Like we work, that, that's like, we work for the same company. We work in different departments at the same company, but I'm not coming down to your department and like trying to find what's wrong and why, like you're the worst part of, you know, why we're not more successful as an organization. That's ridiculous. Why wouldn't I come down there and like communicate with you and like, hey, we've got to make more money and like, what am I doing wrong? What can I do better? Yeah. Versus, like you know, like I would, I would just love to see that conversation. Like that's why I, I really want to work this bit into my material, um, and I'm going to work on it because the election's coming up. I want the election to be a reality show where there's 16 contestants for president, and they don't have a political affiliation. They are just that individual, and we watch their every move as they're like. The 16 of them as a group working together is made to solve a world problem. So like before this all went down, like the Flint water crisis, how can we come to a solution where everybody in Flint has fresh water? That's the season of the show. And the person who is best at rallying the troops and getting shit done is the last person standing at the end. And we as America votes for them like as president. And we watch their every move. So if they're doing dirty shit, we see it happen. Like we have a reality show president. So why not have a reality show election? Lean into it. <laughs> that, that's what you're trying to say is lean into it, America. Yeah, let, le, let's do this. I mean, everything, everything is on social media. We want to see what everybody's doing at all times now anyway. So let's just fucking do it. Let's oh, let's see how Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren and Donald Trump and Ted Cruz and like all 16 of these people from all different sides of the spectrum, like Mark Cuban and some like mayor from Indiana, who knows, you know, <laughs> like come together and and we have to solve a problem together. And the people who aren't being team players, like you immediately hate, like think about Survivor or think about The Apprentice. Like there are there are people on the show where it's like, oh, I hope they get voted off because they're not working together with the rest of the team and they get right. voted off. Because they're being dramatic or they're being like divisive or, you know, why not? Why not? <laughs> how is Trump in that world of reality? How does Trump survive any of this? Dude, I would love to see Trump as a contestant on The Apprentice. He would not make it. <laughs> he would not make it to the end. Too self-serving. Yeah. Yeah, just as a human being, like my mom, my mom when, when she talks to me about it is like, "How do you not like Trump? You're a liberal. You're a liberal." I'm like, "No, I just see a terrible person." Right. Read his book. He taught. He has an entire chapter devoted to revenge. When every single leadership book, otherwise or psychology book, is all about forgiveness, moving on. What? Why is this person our president? From a human standpoint. I don't even, this isn't even getting into his policies. His policies reflect who he is as a human, sure. But it's just like, come on. <sighs> I want the president to do well. I wish Trump was successful. I wish he, like, found a way to make America legitimately better. I wish he did, but he is not. <laughs> yeah, because we get to, you know, we get to bear the fruits of that. We get to benefit. If he does well, we do well. 
Right. That's why, like, I want him to do well. But, every like, attacking other people is not... If if he was my boss, I would be like, I can't work for this company. Right. What are you doing? You're throwing people under the bus left and right. Stop it. That doesn't doesn't make us better at all. Right. Whatever, man. It's... Don't look for people to blame. Look for solutions. Exactly. Exactly. Stop playing the victim. Why are you playing the victim? Why are you saying, I've been mistreated? I've been mistreated. Let your actions speak louder than your words. Easier to, it's easier to blame than fix the problem itself. Oh, 100%. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the easy way out, man. 100%. 100%. I could, yeah, I could sit here, just like I was saying, I could sit here and blame being sick on lack of productivity, but really, I made the choice while I was sick. Like, I could have done something different, sure. In yeah, hindsight, I would. Same with me and my depression and anger. Like, Dude. i just been depressed and angry for the last five, six days. Yeah. And what have I gotten done? And it's huge that you see that. I've got nothing done. Yeah. I've got nothing to show for my anger and depression. Yeah. I've had the same to do list on my board for three days. Fuck off, David. Do your shit. Right. Like, this is, this is on you, man. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, it totally is. You can't laugh at that. Everything that's going on in the world, there's always comedy there. And anytime, um, I don't know, anytime I see people protesting what's happening, it's like, good, you're, you're, you're pointing out, you're pointing out what's wrong. That's great. But so is every other person. What makes a difference is saying, here's what's wrong. Now, what can I do about it? Oh, the, the government, the government shut down. I can keep going out and yelling at buildings and cops and people who aren't making the decisions, or I can adapt to it. It's just, it's the theory of evolution. That's where I applaud your empathy because when I see that I get truly angry about just the hubris of their actions. Uh, I don't understand why white people armed to the teeth can waltz into a Capitol building and nothing happens, but you know, damn well, sure. That if there was an African-American or an Arab or anybody other than white doing the same goddamn thing, then there'd be blood flowing through the streets. Yeah. I just don't understand why these and for what? So these people can go in, you know, so they can go back to restaurants to complain about their appetizers that they didn't like. Yeah. Right. You can't get unlimited Olive Garden breadsticks if you get Olive Garden to go. (laughs) Really? What? Are you fighting for like freedom to consume in a store when everything you want, you can buy online. If you've been told how to think your entire life, you never learn how to think. Right. And that's what it is. That's what it all is. It's it's you've you've put a way of life. You've backed the way of life into a corner and they don't have. The, uh, like it's mostly people who have lived in the same town their entire lives. So how big of a perspective do they have? Like on the scheme of things, if there were a spectrum of perspectives, they, they live in this little itty bitty like way of seeing things. And that's, now that's being attacked. So fight or flight at this point for them, rather than like, we're having this conversation. Why don't you just like find a way to get online and try these new things? It's like, you've never been taught that. And that's why it all goes back to education. Like if the educational system changes and you learn in high school that there is an infinite number of ways to make a living and it's not based around like feeding your own family. It's based around like, how can I make somebody else's life better 
to the point where they want to pay me to do that. You don't learn that in high school. You have to go out on your own and, and do that. And if you've lived in the same house, the same neighborhood with the same people your entire life, it's not an option. So here we are yelling at a building in Lansing, Michigan or Columbus, Ohio or Richmond, Virginia. You're trampling on my rights. Like that's all they see. And it makes, it pisses me off too. But then I, but then it's just like, God, I am so grateful that I got out. I lived in New York for two years. I, you know, I lived in a, in a neighborhood full of people who are so unlike me. I've worked with people from all over the country. I've, you know, I've gotten out of my comfort zone and found that there are, there is so much more out there and, but they don't have that option. So it's like, how, how can we communicate? That's the thing is how can we communicate that with them in a way that isn't attacking, like in a way that's saying like the corner that you're in is great, but it's not going to be there. You have an opportunity to create another corner for yourself that, you know, you can take what you love from your corner and move it in a way that isn't like, we're going to come in and, and trample your rights. Like I read, um, I don't know if I shared with you that article that Quora article about what liberals are missing uh, from the conservative argument and vice versa. I haven't had a chance to read it. Yeah. And it, and it makes so many points. And that, that's the article that I read where I was like, Oh, I haven't thought about it that way. Um, Because yeah, I mean, it's just a very eloquently worded piece. Yeah. I mean, I I applaud you for your ability to see them on their level. Uh, But that's also the divisiveness of Trump. Like, he is so good at divide and conquering that he he's put such a wedge between us all that we have no choice but to fight one another because yeah. of it. He's done that good of a job of, I mean, he straight up recently said, you know, he was being called out being in that uh, mask factory. He's, you know, he was being called out for not wearing a mask. And he said, no, I wore a mask. And I, guarantee you if there's a large majority of those people who are out protesting believe trump over everyone else we all saw him with our own eyes him not wearing a mask and he said oh i wore a mask backstage (laughs) backstage yeah yeah. backstage where what reality are you living in right no he's brilliant he is a brilliant manipulator the words that he uses, the timing of his tweets, he knows that these people who have that limited point of view, like he is appealing to their every emotion and especially fear. And that's what scares me about him as president for another four years is the more and more he does it, when somebody with actually good ideas steps forward, it's not going to come to pass. And we're- if we can learn anything from history that things like, you know, low econ- like shattered economies, plagues, the last time we saw this happen, we also saw the, the rise of fascism. We saw the rise of the Nazi party. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we saw, we saw the rise of probably one of the worst, worst wars in history, um, World War II. And we're, we're seeing that same thing kind of bubble up in our own world today. But I don't know... Well, to get back on what you're saying, you're afraid that I share that fear with you because I don't know if this time around, if America is going to be on the right side of history. And if we can vote 
Trump out of office, we have a better chance of being on the right side of history than we would have if we had left Trump in office. That's a that's now that's an opinion. Uh, is that true or not? Who knows? But I, I I'd much rather find out what it's like without him than with him. Yeah, from a from a uh, from a human standpoint. Joe Biden would be a better president than Donald Trump, a better leader than Donald Trump, because he doesn't stoke um, divisiveness with every single thing that he says. Every single thing that Trump says, whether you know it or not, is measured to an extent. Um, he's very good at that. That's why that's why he does those rallies versus like actually like speaking with the press. And when he does speak with the press, it's a disaster. I, th- this is why like. So to me, as far as all the primary candidates were concerned, I think Andrew Yang would have been the best choice for president because he had a vision of something new and like leaning into the technology that we're facing, whereas everybody else is talking about the status quo. So if but what he didn't do was communicate the starting point of the status quo into like building this future um, there are city like uh, like there are cities that are focused on becoming fully green and um, creating economies based around that. And I think the best thing for our country, uh, based off of your point, like following plague and following you know this fear stoking thing, like after the bubonic plague came the Renaissance. So like on the flip side of things, we could be entering into a renaissance of sorts. We have all this technology. We have the ability to connect with people across the world um, who, who have an optimistic vision for the future that we wouldn't have ever been able to talk to. So if we can make those connections and lean into the fact that, you know, maybe it is okay that robots are taking our jobs. Maybe it is okay that algorithms are taking simple tasks away from humans. Now we can use that energy that we would be spending, you know, working three jobs. Now I have this universal basic income. I can actually use my mind to pursue a passion project while I'm working one or two other jobs and raising a family versus like, I have to work these three jobs and raise a family and, you know, do all these things. So he, he didn't, Yang didn't find a way to communicate uh, his vision with the average person. Somebody like me, like I love listening to podcasts about future technology, man. And the second I heard Andrew Yang speak, I was like, this is the guy we need uh, to run the country or at least to have a big role in it, whether he's president or not. Um, and, and so like when he dropped out, it was like, well, I, I mean, I have to be for Bernie because Bernie has an idea versus beat Donald Trump. And that's been Joe Biden's thing the whole time is I'm going to beat Donald Trump. And ever since the last election, I, I was like, if the Democrats' message is we got to beat Donald Trump, the Democrats aren't going to win. You have to create a vision that excites people. Excites people from New York City to rural Iowa to Utah to Washington to Hawaii. Like you have to create a, like an infrastructure or like just some project that gets people saying, this is a world we can create versus this is the world that we don't want. Nobody wants to follow what we don't want. People want to follow the new exciting thing. And you just have to be able to communicate it to the people who are stuck in their corner. And, you know, how can you do that? Like, the the thing that made the suffrage movement successful is saying, so wait a minute, 
so your mom shouldn't have the right to choose what's best for you when she's been doing that her whole life. Like that's the message that resonated with people with, with guy with you know men who had political power who were like, oh yeah, no, I love my mom, and my mom taught me a lot of what I know. Yeah, she should have a right to vote. Whereas before it was like this revolutionary idea for women to vote. Now you put it into like, you know, Joe the plumber's. Uh, perspective in his field of vision, something that he lives every day. It's like, no, my mom taught me every, a lot of what I know. Like, she helped me in school. Yeah, she should be able to choose who's president. So it's just a matter of bringing it down. I mean, I don't know if, you know, Yang did a poor job of communicating what necessarily his vision was, or was it that we weren't ready to hear it? We weren't, we were so stuck on. What, you know, holding on to what we currently have or we're trying to get back to what we had before Trump to the point of like going, I, we can't, I can't even see the future right now when the present's so fucked up. Uh, he may have done a good job of communicating things, but we weren't the ones hearing it. It's something I've learned recently, you know, especially of trying to communicate some of the ideas that I have what I want to do with my business, I've been running into a lot of, you know, uh, people who don't understand what I'm talking about. I mean, even when I started this podcast studio, it didn't necessarily seem like anybody I understood what my idea was when I first started it. So I really had to explain to people like, no, I'm not doing my own podcast. I'm starting my own podcast studio for other people to come in and do their podcast. And that, as simple as that was, or it didn't seem to register. They're like, well, where can I find your podcast? I'm like, I don't have a podcast. I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know how else to communicate this to you. So sometimes people just, they don't, I don't know if they're necessarily, I don't, it's not, not ignorance. It's more, they, unless they can see it in front of them. And this is a problem. I, I don't know if this is everyone's problem. It's definitely a problem in Cleveland that I feel like, People in Cleveland, unless they can see it, they don't understand it. But once they see it, they go, well, somebody else is doing it, so why should I bother doing it myself? It's a good point. And that's frustrating for somebody who, like myself who wants, you know, I'm, I'd like to be able to – get, and maybe it is on me or maybe it's on them or, you know, as far as I, – I don't know enough about Yang to say one way or the other if he communicated – well enough. I didn't. I honestly didn't spend a lot of time on the guy because he so quickly got painted as this wackadoo who wanted to just give us all two thousand dollars a month for some reason. Which now looking back at it, man, what an idiot I am! Yeah, he's ahead of his time. He was way ahead of his time, and now Bernie's talking about it. You know, CNN's talking about it. We should. It, you know, we're trying to debate this in in Congress and how this should be a thing for at least the following year and how every American, you know, needs $2,000 a month. And he was talking about this well before this pandemic was going on. So, but was I ready to hear that? Like, why, why, where is he going to find this money? Blah, 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 $2,000 a month. Those were things I said. Yeah. And now looking back, it, you know, Jeremy two months ago was nowhere near as smart as Jeremy today. 
If it's Andrew so Yang were still in the race right now, uh, I think a lot more people would listen to him. I'm not saying he would have gotten the nomination, but I'm saying that uh, you know, the, the, a lot more people would be listening to what he had to say. Here's where he messed up. He talked about automated trucks. Like, that was his big thing. All these truck drivers are going to lose their job. And trucking employs, like, X number of people, and it's going to take a dramatic hit to the economy. It's going to hurt all the diners in rural America. It's going to hurt, like, all the shopping mall, all, all, you know, the cascading effect of it. Robotic trucks, automated trucks, aren't something that are on a lot of people's minds. So what Andrew Yang did was he's on a comedy lineup, right? He's on a show. And right before it's his time to get on stage, Dave Chappelle drops in and says, hey, can I do 10 minutes? And he gets on stage and he does 30 minutes and the audience is losing their mind. And now he's got to follow Dave Chappelle and he sticks to the same set that he had planned before Dave Chappelle got on stage from the minute he grabs the microphone to the end. The audience, he's already lost the audience. So you, it's like you've got to start from where you are as a comedian, as a politician. Like you, you have an audience that is waiting to hear what you have to say or they're not. If they're not, you have to find a way to get them to by the end of your 10 minutes. Otherwise, they forget about you. And that's exactly what he did is he kept with the same message the whole time when all these other things were being brought up. And, uh, you know, he always brought it back to universal basic income, which was great, but the audience wasn't ready to hear it yet. <laughs> I appreciate you uh, you putting it in terms that I can understand. <laughs> I, but, but it's terms that I understand too, you know? <laughs> I mean, this is my, like, I'm not going to get on stage. Like, I'm not going to do a, a, a set and then, like, watch the comic before me bomb the entire time and then just start with, your last name's horning, you must be horny. Like, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to draw attention to the elephant in the room. Otherwise, I've already lost the audience. Like, right. it, it's, I mean, that's all it is, is this entire thing, this entire reality is just stage time, <laughs> like, in the scheme of things. So what do, you, what do you have to say? How are you going to say it? And why do I want to listen? And if you don't communicate that, like, get off stage, rewrite your jokes, adapt to the next time you get on stage, and let's see where it goes. Who knew Yang had the, the solutions this entire time? <laughs> now, he had some, yeah, I mean, he had some radical, he, like, there were some speeches that he would give where I just winced because I was like, they're not ready for that yet, man. They're not ready to hear about, you know, all, all this automation. You haven't put it in terms that they understand. Um, God, if you were to tell stories about, like, if, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how to do it. Um, the good comparison to the Renaissance, because who knows how many inventors during that time were coming up with these contraptions. Like, you know, this will make a rug twice as fast as a human being. And then all these people are thinking, I'm losing my job at the rug factory. Right. Right. So, it's like, no, no, no. You, you can transition from working at the rug factory to something else. Like, you have to put it in terms that the rug factory people understand. Yeah, and then that leaves the question of, like, you know, can an old dog learn new tricks? I think so. If you're willing to, if you're willing to learn, you'll learn. Right. Uh, but that's also hard, especially coming from a guy who spent the last week being angry, yeah. not doing anything. You know, yeah. I didn't want to learn. I didn't want to pivot. I just wanted things to go back to the way they were because it was a devil that I knew. Yeah, It's much scarier going into a world where 
I don't know if the things that I just talked about were good ideas. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know anything. I don't. I don't. I don't know enough about it that I can say one way or another, and that's fucking scary. So I think that's really what drives people uh, to revert back to what they know, because it's the devil they know. It's the devil they know, and it's it's familiar. And so we're all creatures of habit, especially myself. Uh, I'm more willing to try and fight for the thing that I had than try and fight for the for the thing that I'm unfamiliar with. Imagine if so you worked on a group project with with you know people in high school and uh like right before the project was due the teacher just came over and like fucked the whole thing up and be, like but your grade is based on how you adapted to that like if we learned how to deal with uncertainty at a young age and embrace uncertainty cuz uncertainty is a constant in life like you never know what's beyond i mean we think in terms of patterns, it makes things easier. I mean, that pattern is broken. It's like, well, I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. It's the next thing that comes out of your mouth that determines what happens next. You know, well, I'm fucked and I'm not going to do anything about it. It's your fault. Or, well, I'm fucked. Now what? I mean, there's, you know, there's an infinite number of ways to take it. You're, you know, we're all human, man. I mean, we all have to embrace like, the anger and the depression, you can't fight it. You know, it's part of being a, a person. It's dealing with old, you know, evolutionary <laughs> uh, brain patterns. But what we have is the gift of saying, well, now what? Uh-huh. Yeah. And when you're ready to say now what, you, knowing there's a now what is step one. And then when you're ready, you can you can roll with it. And uh you know, I think uh, humor is a great way to accelerate that process is saying, well, let me write a joke about this, even though I'm fucking pissed about it, even though I hate it, even though I'm like, all I want to do is feel sorry for myself. Like, there's a joke here. Let me find it real quick. Like, let me take a few minutes, even if it's not funny, just like knowing there's a joke there is like, I can do something about this, especially now. It's it's so hard to find it. But just knowing it's there is like, that's step one. And then all of a sudden, like, you're doing all this research on affiliate marketing. Like, that probably wasn't even an option a week ago. That's something I considered for a week a week or two ago. Yeah. But before that, what? I really wanted... It's not necessarily... If it's something I really... I, I, it's not something I had put into my business plan to start. Right. And... You know, all this kicking and screaming is not going to make my old reality come back. Right. So what do I do now? Right. The mo- it's you know it's the uh, what is it the stages of grieving you know <laughs> that's a good point. That's the way I you know I go through those stages and then once I get to acceptance, that's when things can start truly healing for me, and now I can start pushing forward. But man, is it a long road to get to that point? Mm. Uh, I'm I'm a stubborn individual, so you know I I guess I do see where these people are coming from in a sense because everyone's process is different. It may take me quicker to accept the things that I know I need to change than other people, uh, but or I even while it's happening, I have the awareness of saying I know I'm going through this, and that's you know and that's the money in therapy. 
for me is that, you know, I, I know that I'm going through this. I know I need to embrace the process of me going through this because once I'm done processing all through all of this and all these emotions and feeling, I know I'm going to come out the other side going, okay, what do I need to change now? And that took a lot of therapy. <laughs> that took years of going to therapy to realize that I'm going to go through these, these emotions will come back for something completely different and unrelated. And you're going to go through these same things as your creature of habit. You're going to get angry. You're going to get depressed. You're going to, you're going to blame other things or people, or you're going to be angry at the government. You're going to blame Trump, but you know, you know where this road goes. I've been down this road a hundred times and it always leads to the same thing of being like, okay, I pissed and moaned and complained and kicked and screamed and cried and what did all that bullshit and now how do i now how do i change things for the better that's hard it sucks i hate it (laughs) i don't want to do it but it's part of the process it's it's the part of the process man Mm -hmm. how many times have i laid in bed mad at myself for not doing enough so I'm doing nothing to get mad at myself for not doing enough. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? These are the life skills that I wish, you know, we were taught at a young age. You can blame the education system to a certain extent, or you can like do something. You can do There's the thing. There's a lot of things yeah. I blame the education system for. And yeah. I wasn't even a part of the education system. <laughs> but yeah, but but your parents were, right? Right. This is an education system that that began in the 1800s. When if someone would have said mental health, it would be like, oh, just like plow a drill into their temple. (laughs) It'll make, give them a lobotomy. That works. Do the way Kennedy did with uh, uh, his daughter. Joe Kennedy. Joe Kennedy. He did that to his daughter because his daughter was at a monastery. She kept, you know, running away from the monastery to go have relations with gentlemen. And after a while of putting up with this, he was like, fuck this, and gave her a lobotomy and then bury, basically put her in a mental institute and left her there. Yep. Made her somebody else's problem. Yep. Education. <laughs> yeah. I think that the education system does a poor job of training you for realistic life applications. Learning things like calculus, those are good things to have to help you expand your brain in a creative sense. Mm -hmm. Look at it, something from a different angle or to, it it definitely helps later in life for things like critical thinking, things like calculus or, I guess calculus is the only thing that comes to mind right now. (laughs) She's like, I'm here to talk about calculus. I had one goal. (laughs) Needed calculus is what I'm trying to get at. (laughs) But we don't teach you things like, 401ks or how the stock market stock market works like things you could really uh you know what what kind of loan at what interest rate is the right loan to be taking uh things like that there's things that you can tangibly use in today's society that everybody or at least a lot of people deal with i i don't know the difference between a roth ira or ira or cds and all that bullshit like, I don't understand it all. And I think those are certain things that they should be teaching you 
on a high school level because yeah. these are things you're going to have to deal with in your career. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think by the time you're a junior in high school, you know what what subjects you hate. So like junior and senior year should be all electives. All right, I've learned algebra to this point. Do I want to like? Am I interested in building things? Am I interested in getting a math? I'm going to take calculus and trigonometry and like all these. Like my entire slate is filled with math classes and science classes. Like, cool. That's that's me. I would be more engaged in school. Like, personally, I like I would take like theater classes and like thinking and like human behavior and shit like that. And now, I mean, now putting it in terms of 2020 education, like building a business online and like social media presence and things like that, taught by people who kind of know what they're talking about. Or you can just you can get on YouTube literally and and learn uh, what colleges are charging tens of thousands of dollars for so so like dependence on college shouldn't be a thing but we should always constantly be striving to get educated and, and like learn new things like i the, the minute i stop learning new things is the minute you can put a bullet in my head and there are some people like like my uh, like my parents for example love them to death but but if i were to give my mom a book to read about like happiness or the economy or whatever she would just be like nope not interested I'm going to turn on what I know, what I'm comfortable with. It's like, all right. Yeah. So, I mean, school, I feel like the way it's set up makes people not want to learn after they graduate versus like you got to give people that hunger. So the, the one thing I think school needs to give people is just the hunger to learn. Take your own route in doing it. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I don't have a fraction of the answers. I might have one answer. <laughs> I have hope that at the very least, you know, my sister's kids, her oldest is eight years old. Mm-hmm. I have hope that he'll at least realize now that how you vote does affect your life. Mm-hmm. The reality of, for all of us is that we can't ignore politics like we would love to. God. Because it does have a, a truly effect on all of our lives. Mm-hmm. Had we voted in the right person, hindsight's twenty twenty. So, you know, take anything I say at a grain of salt because, you know, that's just I'm I'm speaking in present day, Jeremy. You know, like. Back in 2016, obviously, I knew he wasn't the right guy. I didn't think it was going to get this bad. Right. Uh, but now, seen through what we've seen through, we know for a fact that your vote and who you vote for and how you vote has a direct effect on everybody, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really disappointed in our generation for not getting out of voting. It's like you're, you're, you're leaving your future up to 70 and 80-year-olds who won't even be there to see it. Like, why would you want to do that? But if I could vote out anybody, if you can't set up your own Wi-Fi, if you can't set up your own email and social media account, you should not be in power. Bye. <laughs> you are not ready to set up my future. What are you doing? Like that that should be a ta- that should be part of the reality show. <laughs> that should be like step one. Like can you do this? Three of us all, Trump is very good at setting up both things and utilizing both things. Oh come on. he had somebody else do it. 
His tweets, though, are, are him, 100%. Yeah, I mean, the man doesn't drink, but you'd think by some of his tweets that Twitter was his drunk texting buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are you're, you wake up the next morning, you're like, oh, shit, I texted my ex. He, <laughs> I, like, I want him to wake up in the morning and be like, what have I done? <laughs> I started a war. <laughs> I implicated a pedophile. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? Yeah, I used the N-word again. <laughs> I'm ruined. No, nope, nope, there's no... It's the lack of accountability, too. Like, what kind of message does that, that, that give to people who just are at the beck and call of every single thing that he says? Laughing! No, I love uh, Colin Quinn's red state, blue state. Uh, I mean, he just makes that look like we got to sometimes, you know, we might need to separate a little bit, do our own thing, figure ourselves out, and then come back together and see where we are, you know? Do it for the kids. <laughs> some time apart, some time apart. I mean, you know, it's like it's like a marriage, you know? We've been together for so long, now we're, we're bickering, we're fighting, It's n- neither of us are happy. Take some time apart. And then, uh, and then, you know, come back together and, and form a mutual relationship. Like, oh, you're seeing somebody else, so am I. We're both happy, awesome. But we have these kids that we made together. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's do I it mean, for them. I agree with that. I mean, America's definitely going through a bitter divorce with itself. Yeah, so that's why we need a unifying message. And I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to 2024 and seeing uh, seeing that, and I, I'm going to be so mad. I'm going to be so mad if uh, if either party bases their platform around not that. It's like that's not a vision. That's just avoiding the status. Like stop. Like you you can't argue and create something new. You've got to create something new. And of course, debate about it, sure. But we're we we need a, a vision, like something to head toward. That's what I was hoping for this this this, uh, this pandemic is like. Oh, we all know what we don't want now. What do we want instead? And uh, unfortunately, our leadership is too busy pointing fingers at one another. God, I don't know, man. There's I could sit here and talk about this for years. All I know is that there there's always a joke there, and let the joke guide you away from what's. Tearing you down. <laughs> and this has been another edition of you. You can't laugh at that. <laughs> You've been laughing at the wrong thing, and that's the. <laughs> I don't know. I definitely today is a new day of whether or not uh, if it's broken, can it be rebuilt, and who's going to show up to rebuild it? Who's going to have the plan? To rebuild this, who is going to be the 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 forerunner in innovation to rebuilding what we what it will will be the new normals? Yeah, I mean, shit, you can be that person on a smaller scale. It's not you know we if we sit around waiting for somebody to pop up and and do do it. It's like I'm I'm not I can sit here and tell people who are protesting open like to open back up. Like you, you can you can create a business on the internet, and they can look at me and be like, "Well, why haven't you? Why should we listen to you?" But 
if I've like taken something like stand-up comedy and found a way to turn it into a commodity online, I have a much better, uh, I'm, I'm much more uh, qualified to talk about it yeah. and tell them, you know, you can create something that traditionally speaking, you can't make money on virtually, and now you can make money on it virtually. We all have that opportunity to at least do it in our own small way and improve our own universe in that way. And yeah, hopefully. I mean that's what makes the world the win. That's what makes the world so ugly, yet so incredibly beautiful all mm-hmm. at the same time. Yep, it's the yin and yang constantly. Part of the same. We're two sides of the same coin. Or we're the show lost and we're all dead <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Shit, man. Yeah, let's talk about the universe the next time. You crossed the line. I'm doing a, uh, I'm doing a virtual open mic based out of New York next Saturday. It'll be my first time like doing stand up, so I'm ready. Awesome. I'm ready to just like get the muscle flexing again because I, I feel like I'm gonna get back to the bench and just be like, like, <laughs> pick it up and just have it crash onto my larynx. <laughs> it's it's not gonna be the same, but it's gonna be a semblance of the. Life you're about to get back to, and again, I can't stress that enough. It's more of a monologue than it's than it is a stand-up set. Yeah, it'll be like a hybrid. Of, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, your pauses will be. You can still make pauses. They're just gonna have to be quicker. Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't want to step on laughs, but how do I know if they're even laughing? <laughs> so, yeah. I highly recommend watching. Uh, you know, Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Kimmel or Seth Meyer, any yep. one of those, just to get a sense of the flow. Yeah, no, I've been watching uh, Colbert and Seth Meyers, uh, not every day, but a few times a week. And even if you do take that pause, you really got to sit in it to sell it. Mm. One thing I noticed with those guys, if they're taking it, if their pauses are either quick Super long. It's they they either they really embellish that pause, or they really um, or they they move on the pause quickly. Yeah, yeah. You gotta keep. You gotta commit, or just move on. (laughs) (laughs) Wait for it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) All right, man. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear you're doing better. I like the new look. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Starting to uncover the real Jeremy. Honestly, it doesn't look half bad on screen, but in real life, it looked like shit. <laughs> it's true. It's crazy because I, when I sat down and put this on, I was like, "Oh, I guess it doesn't look that bad." <laughs> I know I'm gonna walk to a mirror and be like, "Oh God." <laughs> what does your wife say? Uh, she wants me to wear a mask until it grows back. <laughs> no, I don't think it has anything to do with the virus. I think here's the mask that she chose. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think that's going to be very helpful uh, as far as the virus is concerned. Was that like a lucha, a luchador? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is uh, this is how I walk around the house now. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's just into BDSM. <laughs> With a Latino twist. (laughs) 
likes it spicy. Yeah. <laughs> Good talk, man. Thanks for the chit chat. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to go through this recording and see what we got here. Yeah. If you want to use it, I'm, I'm okay with using it. Cool. I have your, uh, you've, you've filled out your release form mentally. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I don't have to be the one hitting record every time. But, I mean, it's, the episode can just be uncertainty. And just, like, I mean, that's kind of really what we dove into the whole time. Yeah. Because we still have no idea on so much. So much. Everything. I don't know. This has been a, uh, an impromptu sort of uh, gorilla episode <laughs> that Jeremy didn't know was even happening of You Can't Laugh at That. Because no matter what happens out there... From the right angle, you can laugh at that. Oh, sorry. No, I was still pausing. I was gonna say it. No, no I'm kidding. No, that was, that works. That works. Thank you for the talk. Yeah, tell Miranda I said what's up. Well, yeah, looking forward to catching you in person. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. I will not be back into the studio until I am 72 hours, totally symptom free. And right now, I am at 12. So. Good start. Yeah. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.